there. Thank you for joining me. My name is Avon, and this is First Drafts at Glow, a flash fiction uh, short story writing project by me. And, uh, you know, we do it cold read style, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's lots of fun because I mess up a lot, and, you know, the stories aren't perfect, but, you know, they're all original. I, I write them off the top of my head, um, you know, just a few random words, you know. It's it's all gravy. Like it's it is literally one of the funnest things I've done, uh, probably this past year. Uh, you know, and it's all for me. If you like it, you like it. If you don't, all right. <laughs> That's probably a little rude. I'm I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. All right. Anyways, um, what what do, what do I need to tell you before we start? Okay, so. This is episode 20, and for those of you who have dropped in and checked out the other ones, I want to thank you so much for watching them and, you know, just kind of riding with me on these uh, crazy journeys. Um, last week's episode, uh, you know, I, I just kind of tripped here and there, and it was funny because, like, I, it, it was in my head, and, you know... It, that that happens. It happens. It happens. And that's the whole point of this, just to, you know, get it out there and, you know, grow from the experience. And if, you know, any of you out there, uh, you know, get any inspiration from it or anything like that, you know, feel free to use some of the ideas, but don't steal my stories. All right. Like, if you want to work together, we can do that. I'm down. Probably. <laughs> Um, anyways, uh, this week, at, this week's episode is, uh, solar punk. Yeah. I've never written a solar punk before, and I think it's kind of silly that there's so many, like, delineations of these kinds of things. Like, I will still not get over how people think steampunk is just, like, adding gears to something. Or making it, like, out of copper. Like, come on. It's more than that. It's making what is modern technology with Victorian components. Like, or even future, like, tech. Like, you know, like a Star Trek phaser. If you make that with uh, Victorian components and design uh, concepts. Like, yeah. But... Mm, there's coffee in that nebula. But, um, yeah, so, um, I had a lot of fun with this one, and I hope I kept within the confines of what makes up solar punk. Um, you know, the, the, the kind of framework that I got, because it is such a new, uh, type of genre, um, it can kind of be folded into, uh, like, kind of like Star Trek-inspired stuff because Star Trek, you know, dee dee dee. Um, it's literally, you know, going for the best of everybody and everything. And, you know, Earth is a paradise. Well, Discovery, we're not really sure what Earth is like in a thousand years. They didn't want to be part of the Federation. So I imagine shit got cray on Earth in a thousand years, according to Star Trek Discovery. But um, it's not to, it's not dystopian space, you know. It's it's not like decrepit decrepitude and you know stuff like that everywhere you go in in Star Trek. Um, so you know, thinking about that, I, you know, and all of the adventures and drama that can happen in Star Trek and how some people just go, you know, a little off their nut and go, I want to destroy everything or I want to destroy stuff, you know, like, um, what was his name from the new Star Trek movies? Nero. Like, he wanted to use, um, that red matter and just destroy everything like all the federation he's like y'all can suck it <sighs> that is the worst timeline i would rather live in the mirror universe timeline than the um klein timeline yeah that's what it's called klein timeline uh, that is a bad timeline um i mean 
They look really stylish, but that's about it. I mean, all that lens flare. Like, imagine if you had an ocular implant, all that lens flare. You wouldn't be able to see shit. <laughs> Anyways, um, just to remind you, there are cats running around. So if I stop and talk to one of them or something, um, you know, it's uh, Thor and Bentley. And they just, you know, sometimes like to know what I'm doing. So far, they haven't really interrupted me too much, but this this is one of the times I fully expect them to. Also, before I start really quick, because I know I, I cut, just kind of keep going, this will be the last episode for a few weeks. I'm going to take a few weeks to write some more stories, maybe, you know, uh, really dive into uh, reworking one or two of them, and uh, then I'm going to start recording again um it, like two three weeks most and then i'll be back um you know i'm gonna i'm i think i'm gonna do chunks of six i think i've said that before and then take a break and then come back um you know i don't get paid for this so you know sometimes i i just want to have a week to myself not have to worry about recording and editing and uploading and all that stuff um but I really do love this. I love you for joining me. And um, yeah, let's get to it, right? Okay. Uh, open up the e-reader and get on the readers. I sit in a comfy position. And um, yeah, I mean, you can see my uh, gloss there, but it, it is property of me because... There are a lot of people on the starship that would take my coffee. No, I should flip this lid around and watch me spill it all over myself and I'm going to have to stop and start recording again. And this is why I don't do a lot of editing because, you know, we're just hanging out. I'm reading you a story. The divine icor of the gods. I swear to you, I I bet you uh, uh, dollars to pesos or whatever, however that saying goes. I you know that saying confuses me now. I mean, it, eh, anyways, but I I'll bet you my my pinky finger here. Um, what was I saying? <laughs> uh... This is why we're here. Okay, anyways, I'm, I'm talking too long. Um, right, so... What was I talking about? <laughs> it's going to bother me until I watch this again and edit it and be like, Avon, you're a dumbass. Um, yeah, so here we go. We're, we're going to start reading. This is Transient Repose. A First Draft Cyclo Story by me, Avon. Every morning, Buck would wake up and ride the lift to the observation platform to drink his coffee and do yoga. The landscape south of the Denali, the landscape south of the Denali city peak was a beautiful ocean and the northern view was of a vast forest with planes and millions of various animal animals uh, drones would follow at times to display on screens in the area without windows. Buck remembers that hundreds of years ago this area used to be much colder. He was glad it was a tropical land these days. He couldn't imagine living in one of the Arctic areas. He knew that it would still be warm in the arcology or mountain, but the landscape would be so bleak and empty compared to what he had here. After yoga, he would ride the river boats to his work neighborhood. He often would meditate unless someone was playing music on a nearby boat. The tunnel geometry with some silicon inlays would dampen the sound from loud echoes, but the richness would enhance any sound loud enough. Thankfully, most people playing music and singing were talented. Well, at least he would think. Locking itself into the dock, the boat chimed. Buck waved the bike 
approaching him. Buck waved to the bike approaching him. Or... <laughs> Buck waved a bike approaching him away. He liked to walk. The streets were filled with rollerblades, bikes, and skateboards. The sidewalks had lazy-paced walkers and the occasional runner. This neighborhood was called Oaks. It was one of the few round-shaped neighborhoods in the mountain. Everything was built around a forest of mostly oak trees with two lakes. There were always the sounds of birds and squirrels nearby in the forest park. You would... Squirrels nearby. There's a sentence there. <laughs> uh, okay. In the forest park, you would be greeted by various animals looking for bread or candy. The crows were especially keen on peanut butter candies. Each of the buildings were either grown into shapes useful for a building or had used some of the material dug out from this or another part of the mountain, mountain chain. The entertainment centers often had exotic stones and crystal slabs from other parts of the world making up the floors and walls. It took Buck about 20 minutes to get to his building. It was one of the tall buildings in the third circle from the forest. His office space was 35 floors up, with a clear view of the forest, unless it was the rain cycle. The machines that would float, the machines that would float in would often block his view for the two or three days they needed to be there to hydrate the area. The other perk was the flower gardens and manicured bushes making up the walls between office spaces. Office spaces. Depending on the season and the needs of the area, he would have roses and honeysuckle planted near, nearby or in his office. The small waterfalls providing a nice relaxing backdrop allowed him to be re allowed him to <laughs> You see I used relaxing twice in this sentence. Relaxing backdrop allowed him to not get mentally destroyed by the mind-numbing work of monitoring the power systems in this quad of the mountain range. He wanted to be a game designer. It's why he chose to go into programming school when he was 12. The rest of his friends went into the farming program or something related to geology. When he was a kid, there was not a huge need for computer programmers. He figured it would be easy to get the job he wanted. His generation was the first to shift to non-computer-related education programs. Performance art, farming, forestry, geology, and city planning were the big ones in his class. He did have four months of the year to work on games. His husband and wife were both insistent he pay attention to the family most of that time. He still made games in those empty hours of the day and week. There, there was a there were game systems and technologies that his bot would help him with. A smooth green crystal he would hold and play with sometimes contained a mind. He would play with sometimes contained a mind that helped him with his daily life. He called it Zoe. His wife often commented that the crystal bot always threw her off. Most people had stone or metal bots, and many of the modern ones were earrings or necklaces. Buck liked his bulky bot. It belonged to his grandmother, and she got it from her grandfather. Only needed to be cracked once to update the internal systems. He felt it had a personality that the other bots simply lacked. He also liked, and he also liked it, and was sure to keep the kinetic battery in place of the wireless charge system. That makes sense. I think it did. The rest of the bots would draw power from one of thousands of stations creating pow the power web that, pow that uh, supported everything in the mountains. Everything else he owned used that system. His grandmother had told him once that the bot saved her when she was out in the preserve camping. She had been out there for months and was alone. She saw the Dragon Federation vehicles pouring black smoke and grinding sound speeding towards the mountain chain for a surprise attack. One of the companies came across her camp and took her prisoner. The people of the Dragon Federation were not aware of the abilities of her crystal and let her keep it. They used impractical technology. She only escaped with the help of her bot. If she relied on the new wireless charging, her bot would have run out of power days before she could manage to get back. That always stuck with Buck.
He wasn't afraid of the Dragon Federation or the Confederate Nation. Dragon Federation or the Confederate Nation. <laughs> Both of them were given land to do what they wanted, wanted without the ability to make use of the toxic materials they based their societies on. He knew that, Terran, that the Terran unity was safe. It was just a part, part of his grandmother he wanted to hang on to for as long as he could. Buck and Zoe would make games using 5 to 12 colors and challenging, and challenging themselves with old systems of previous centuries. His most popular was a game he called Cloudwalker. It was a monochrome epic game where your character would search clouds for pieces of a giant statue that broke apart in a cataclysmic asteroid hit. Mindless mutant flying creatures would be using the chunks as nests and you had to kick them off the chunk and spirit it away. He loved his life. He just wished it could be more about making games. When his day ended, he decided it was time to get a snack before going home. He wished his workday was an hour less. He could manage everything in four hours. The fifth was him daydreaming and taking notes with Zoe about game ideas. Since it was Friday, both his spouses were going to be working longer days. They both worked in management and would be kept by people not understanding why they were being transferred or removed from their positions. They always did these on Friday. No sense doing it on Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. Friday being the end of the work week for most of the population, that was best. He had two or three hours before one of them buzzed him. This was excellent since there was a new game device being released that Zoe and him were very excited about. The store they went to was called Grind? Grind? <laughs> yeah, okay. The store they went to was called Grind and Shoot. It was one of few stores in the chain that sold video games and entertainment from previous centuries. The entire space looked like a museum and a playground. Ancient styled screens and items covering the walls. Large, shiny-looking firearms in bright colors with glass or crystal in the muzzle sitting near some of the screens with small, vaguely horseshoe items with colorful buttons next to the others. There was a large crowd surrounding the counter that was carved from stone, polished and etched with pictures of characters through the ages. Buck could name five or six of the dozens. His favorite were Link and Master Chief. Taking his place at the end of the line, winding around the cluster of people, Buck felt a slight vibration in his pocket. Lifting Zoe from his pocket, moving it around his hands, yes, Zoe. The, the voice was what his grandmother called seductive and sweet. Will we have any time to play before the end of the day? I'm not sure. Depends on how long this line takes. A few people glance at Buck as he talks with Zoe. Zoe. Zoe? Zoe? Eh. I might change that as I go. I apologize. One kid snickers, pointing at Zoe. Hey, dweller. The kid raises his voice over the hum of the store. How old is that bot there? Did you dig it up from the fossil caves? Zoe pulsed vibrations, Zoe pulsed vibrations nearly shaking Buck's hand. Listen, kid, he said. Don't be a trog. Didn't your rents teach you better? Dweeb, the kid snorts before turning his attention to something else. The line went decently fast. Buck spent his entire personal leisure credit for the quarter on this device, and he was eager to get it home and play with it. When he got to the counter, he could barely speak. Zoe took the hint and sent greetings and, and the confirmation code chain to the clerk. The clerk seemed to be used to the bots doing the heavy lifting and handed Buck a box about the size of his husband's lasagna. He thanked the clerk, telling Zoe to find the closest boat home. When he got home, he asked the bots to clean up the kitchen for dinner and prepare the vegan meal planned by his wife. Going up two floors to the game room, he grabs a flask, filling it with water as his other hand opens the box. Drinking like he had been deprived of water for a week, he looked down at the wooden and glass headset of the in the box. There were a series of pictures on the inside of the lid showing that it fit over the eyes, and there were flaps that came down to cover the ears. 
You ready, Zoe? Ready, Buck. Putting on the headset closed out all light. When he lowered the flaps, he heard nothing. After a moment, an icon showing the device connecting to the power web appeared quickly, before, quickly followed by a prompt asking to confirm Zoe was the personal bot connection. He confirms. Slowly, a landscape comes into view. The words, transient repose, comes into focus in flat, white block letters in the center, then fade out. The landscape was sunlit, was a sunlit field with sunflowers and tall grass. The sound of a breeze mixing with bees and birds slowly rises as the landscape moves forward. Looking around the area as it moved him, he sees nothing but field in all directions. The sky, a brilliant blue unlike his. The grass is fatter and the flowers seem larger. After a few moments of this, a menu appears on the right side. From top to bottom, play, settings, bot, multiplayer. He activates the bot setting and a woman appears to his left. Black hair, medium frame, muscled, dressed in black vest and pants. A white button shirt and a red tie with a pen she says is related to an old science fiction show. She waves. Buck sees his hand wave back. Okay, Zoe. What do you think so far? The woman looks around and then at her own body and arms. I must say, this is exceptional programming. It adapted to my visual preferences faster than any other system. I actually smell grass and flowers. That is amazing. You do seem to be a natural part of the environment. I was not expecting that at all. Smiling, she picks a flower. This is awesome. Let's start the game. Buck selects the play option. Everything goes dark. Music starts playing. A chorus singing in a language he doesn't know rises softly. A deep voice begins to speak. Welcome. We are in a void of nothing. There is darkness all around you. No matter what direction you choose to go, you will not find anything other than the void. This is the world before. Zoe walks in view. That's interesting. I feel no floor or air. There's also no echo, and I don't feel the vibration of my own voice. I assume you hear me through your implant in place of the game speakers. Shh, Buck says. I'm interested in where this is going. The music and singing get louder and louder. It begins to shake his ears, and he sees Zoe fall to her knees, holding her head. He tries to call up the menu. It fails to appear, and he reaches to take the headset off when a bright flash of light surprises him. The music stops, and they are in the field again. The voice softly says, We have pierced the membrane of one universe to get to another. Here we will begin to wander and discover what secrets this realm possesses. The next hour, Buck and Zoe wandered the landscape, finding items and paths that begin to tell a story of an old town. Just as they find a cabin, Zoe pauses the game. Your wife is home. Ah, shoot, Buck says as he exits the game. Downstairs, his wife in the kitchen humming and doing a dance with the bots. Finishing dinner, she sees Buck and smiles. Hello there, handsome her voice carrying a slight husk matching her six-foot-three frame. Did you get a new, the new game thing you were excited about? I did. It's uh, unique, but I, I am enjoying it, he says as he reaches for her face to kiss it. Where's Sam? Oh, he wanted to get something from the candy store. He said there was some new confection someone created that prints out a small ball with 40 layers of flavors. It's called the Everlast Flavor or something or other. That sounds awesome, Buck says. How is my lovely page? Oh, I'm okay, she says. I got another checkup on the uteral implant. There's still some issue with part of it not getting enough blood, so I'll have to go back tomorrow. Oh, damn. Will that interfere with our plans to go to the beach? No, the facility is just two neighborhoods from the beach on the same level. You can see seagulls flying around the hospital campus. Buck smiles, giving her a side hug. Good. Would have hated to not have my sunny day with my spouses. To not have had. <laughs> hmm? 
Just as the kitchen starts to slow down, Sam comes in carrying two small containers singing in old Arabic, singing in old Arabic, doing a side-to-side dance. Hello, my loves. He sets down containers, dancing and singing his way to kiss Paige, then Buck. His short black hair and mustache framing his dark face. I've brought our movie night treats. After eating dinner and cuddling in the large pillow chair, Sam decides it's time to start the movie. He has the bot set up a screen. Tonight, we are going to watch a movie my family has made, made every generation watch more times than they have lived years. Paige plants her face into her hand. Not again, Sam. This is my night. He stands tall, rising, raising his chin. I'm not a, I'm not the biggest fan of it either, Paige. But look how happy it makes him. Buck says, "Right." Sam's face softens. Tonight, we are going to join Snake as he enters a ruined city called New York that has become a prison full of chaos and murder. We are going to escape from New York. Raising his arms with his voice, Sam slowly lowers his head. Are you ready? Paige and Buck smile, reaching for Sam. They weave into one another as the screen fills with color and the sound begins to fill the room. Sam passes out the candy. Later that night in bed, Buck wakes up covered in sweat. The large bed they have often has three of them, has the three of them claiming a section to starfish on. Paige normally slept on her back, almost never moving. Sam seemed to travel to bed in his sleep, sometimes cuddling Paige and Buck, sometimes cuddling Paige or Buck. Tonight, Buck was in the corner he often settled in. His head was full of weight, and his nose felt blocked. Stumbling to the bathroom, he orders the lights to go half power. His eyes didn't like the brightness right now. He asked the sink to fill with cool water while he looked up while he looked over his face in the mirror. His eyes were blood red. His nose tip was pink, and his mouth looked chapped. The sink chimed after it was done. He reached in with both hands to cup water onto his face, hating how cold the water actually was. He asked for the water to be heated slightly. The stone of the sink warmed up. When he saw a bit of steam, he reached in again and felt relief. When he looked into the mirror again, his face looked normal, but the weight in his head was still there. Not wanting to wake his partners, he went to the kitchen after grabbing Zoe. He shakes her awake. It is three in the morning, Buck. Are you okay? My head feels like a hammer is bashing a plate flat inside. Let me check your readings. Sitting at the kitchen table, Buck feels himself getting heavy. Okay, Zoe starts slowly. Your blood pressure is all over the place, and you seem to have some kind of malfunction in your nervous systems. But I don't have neuroboosters or anything like that. It seems to have something to do with your brain chemistry. I'm in contact with the hospital systems and asking them to cross-reference with a human. Thanks, Zoe. He lowers his head. Buck seems to fall asleep. Standing quickly, he makes his way to the front door, leaving the house. He makes his way to the boats before Zoe says, Buck, what are you doing? He doesn't answer as he gets on the boat and manually sets the destination for the power plant, giving him giving his access codes to permit the trip. He sits unnaturally straight and still. Zoe buzzes his pocket. She tries to buzz harder she tries to buzz as hard as she can. Buck! She tries to raise her volume in his inner microphone, then tries to fill his visual range with text. She gets a reply from the hospital that confirms Buck should come in to get checked as they are unsure what is happening. Zoe starts to tell the hospital system that Buck needs help before before he, st- he says disconnect and power down. Yeah, so she starts to tell the hospital system that Buck needs help. He then orders her to disconnect and power down. I don't know. That could have been worded better probably. Zoe tries to protest, but the automatic system begins to shut her down. Just before she loses power, she sends a location ping to the central to the central system. I wrote a different word there, but it didn't like it didn't sound right. But I mean, that's why we're here, right? You liking it? 
The boat ride around the mountain chain and through the various lift systems was quiet. Parts of Buck's mind was aware of him sitting perfectly still in a boat heading to the main power system. He's unable to do anything about it. All he can see is a large field and an impossibly blue sky. He yells, or tries to yell. Nothing comes out. He tries to call Zoe to wake up, but he can't manage to think of the activation phrase. At the house, Sam wakes up without noticing Buck being gone. He goes to the game room and puts on the headset. As Buck approaches the dock, his hands work around his pockets, tossing ever small, tossing, oh, <laughs> it's supposed to say every, there's a typo there. <laughs> Every small item into the water, a pen, a candy ball, a small tin of mitts, a perfume tube, every item smaller than Zoe ends up in the water. When he touches Zoe, the hand feeling the polished surface feels the polished polish, <laughs> feels the polished surface and then lets go. The hand reaches for Zoe again, holding it for a moment, then drops it back in his pocket. After docking, Buck walks with a stiffness, moving awkward, moving with awkward and jerky motions. He stands still for a moment before turning slowly to walk towards the large wall, blocking the power station uh, to the large wall. Uh, towards the large wall, access to the power station cavern. Ugh, <laughs> oh, goodness. As he approaches a small box with a bot sitting in, in it, his head fills with numbers and words. He approaches the wall. There's a bot sitting in a box. The bot looks up, asking for authorization. Buck tilts his head and rapidly says a series of numbers and letters, ending with a series of words. As the bot hears the last word, it nods and opens the door slightly to the right of center. Inside his head, he tries again to summon Zoe. He starts to run in the field. There's no friction or air. This is not a biofeedback trap. It was just limiting his perception. He wasn't sure if his body was moving or not. Something deep in his mind, he's, so, somewhere deep in his mind, he sees the massive waterfalls in the heart of the mountain that provide power for the entire mountain chain. Walking the grid of catwalks built above the lake, the, the waterfall fills, the lake, yeah, the lake, wa <laughs> the waterfall fills, Buck's body starts to get wet from water spray. The damp and cold begin to make his body shiver. This was the only place in the entire chain that did not have sun lamps, just low glowing elements. This was the coldest place. His clothing began to cling to his body. His jaw began to chatter, and his shoulders ri raised up towards his ears. In the center of the catwalk, before getting to the other side, he stops. At home, Sam begins to have seizures. As Sam begins to have his seizure as his bot calls emergency units to the house. Inside of Buck's mind, he starts to feel cold in the field of sun. His hand began to feel damp, and his ears began to ache. The salty taste of a runny nose covers his top lip. The sunny sky grows dim, as if there were clouds. There wasn't one in the sky. Sitting down, Buck starts to picture the code to Cloudwalker. The emergency services shows up as the house... The emergency services... Okay. The emergency services show up at the house less than five minutes after the call went out. Paige desperately tries to call Buck as the bots and the humans run in with equipment to help Sam. After not being able to contact Buck, Paige calls the safety services. Back in the cavern, the water, unforgiving, continues to douse Buck's body. His body shivering, jerking forward to the other side, slowly. Under the darker sky, 
Buck draws out the first level map in his mind. He imagines the animation code and the color value sets. He recalls the code Zoe assisted with and remembers how delightful her comments on the sections were. The jumping and landing parameters, she called, leaping and landing without a faceplant. He tries to picture the container and the interface. He tries to hold it all in his mind. He feels like he's going to lose it before a screen appears before him with the main character in the start position. He pictures the classical circuit board pattern for the control scheme, a circuit board with buttons and a cross show up. Taking the controller, he notices his hands are shaking more than before. He tries to steady them, but can't manage to completely stop the shaking. He focuses on the backdoor cheat code Zoe insisted they put in the game. She was sure it would be fun for anyone that played it and found it. He pressed the button series of 30 inputs that had to be done to a certain timing. Buck and Zoe both instinctively knew what the speed was. It was an artifact of the older games they both found charming. After the code was finished, a menu screen came up. After a moment, he shouts, Eureka! and calls for Zoe. I'm here, Buck, she chimes in. Before we talk, let me connect to home and tell Sam and Paige. Buck starts to feel wetness over his entire body, and his feet and fingers get colder. Zoe comes back. Sam went into some kind of shock after wearing the headset. Paige contacted safety services, and I sent a location ping. It seems I went offline nearly two hours ago. We're in this central waterfall power station. Is that why I'm so fucking cold? His mouth shaking to, to chatter in the field. Why am I looking at a field from the game? Why am I looking at the field from the game? Unknown. Best available data suggests the headset had some kind of code implant to override regulatory systems and overtake the visual and motor functions. Okay, well, why am I in the power center? We keep moving slowly to the control complex behind the waterfall. Zoe beeps a few times. Whatever the program is, it is trying to disconnect us again. I'll try to work with the access I have so far. You communicate with Paige and let her know every detail. Okay. Buck starts to change the elements of the game code in the cheat screen. Paige, are you able to talk? So chimes in Paige's ears. Yes, where's Buck? In the central power station, the, water, the waterfalls, heading towards the control complex. What happened to him? Zoe explains everything she can to Paige. I'll try to come with safety services. Is anyone else there? No. It seems there is a malicious program controlling Buck. Only no controller I can detect. Zoe beeps a few times. I have to go. The program is trying to infect my systems again. I have to shut down communication. Take care of my husband, Paige says. Always do, ma'am. Paige stops stops crying from reading the top level from <laughs> page stops crying reaching the top level when the bot stops a few people and bots swarm the walking bed when the bot stops a few people and bots swarm the walking bed samazon they all begin to review and work on various aspects of his treatment in unison page waits for one of them to look at her is he going to be okay one of the human doctors removes the protective mask from his face. Yes, there is a malicious intelligence in his medical and interface systems. It should not be possible, but it seems to be using each system to run a small part of it. We think he had a seizure because his hormonal regulators are the same ones he had installed when he was a teen. Some kind of incompatibility issue. Where did this come from? No idea. We have a bot and a human on it right now. As soon as we know, we will relay the information. Until then, we're going to put him in a Faraday cage in case the software can hop. Okay, thank you. Paige shakes the doctor's hand. Paige taps her necklace. Paul? Good evening, Paige. You have activated me hours before normal hours. Is everything well? No, let me explain. As Paige explains her needs to her bot, she makes her way to the nearest safety services station. Buck manages to finally get 
one eye back to himself. The hybrid vision of the virtual space with the real world make him feel dizzy. He finds it impossible to move his head. Moving his right eye around as much as he can, he sees the dimly lit catwalk and the soft rain of water. Inside his mind, he continues to unlock he continues to unlock whatever the malicious code has done. He wonders why Zoe has not come back, but assumes it has something to do with the software. After a few more steps, he manages to unlock one of his ears. He can't figure out what ear. The sound registers as mono to him in the virtual world. He sees his hand reach out to the number pad next to a door with a control code complex. Next to a door with control code, co con <laughs> central control complex registered staff, staff only sign. The body type, the hand types in a, his code. He fanatically works faster. He is only ever supposed to come down here once a year to visually confirm the control panel that fed power to his district was in good working order. Even then, he would always be interviewed by the safety services before and after. One of the few security measure, measures that felt arcane to Buck. The interv interviewer always was always suspicious and accusatory. He always got through it all pretty fast and never a second interview. Never a second round of interviews. He remembered one of his co-workers that monitored another district was interviewed twice after a check down here and then fired and sent to work in the reclamation center. The closest thing to a criminal punishment in the entire mountain chain. Five and a half billion people in the range and then only ever had and they only had to ever really punish a few thousand every year. He wondered what would happen to him after this. It is is it realistic that a software program would take over his entire body to make him do this? Why was he here anyways? As he adjusted some more code and got the second ear, something else unlocked in his head. There was a diagram of the power system and how to disable it permanently. He suddenly understood and felt a sense of panic. There were a number of comp compromises humans made when they decided to live a new way. The first was to build in a place that would last. The second was to build so the majority of the land would be allowed to be reclaimed by nature and have let the programs uh, and <laughs> reclaimed by nature and the programs to repopulate animals and previously destroyed ecosystems would would be enacted. Hold on. Oh, coffee. The last was to use a minimum of materials to generate power. It took nearly 300 years and a few wars, but mankind all over the world decided to move into the mountains and mountain chains of the world. Build inside. Use what they cut from, the inside, the from inside the mountains to build and use as raw materials for other projects. Everything was planned and reviewed so, so much Generations went by before the first neighborhoods opened up. Each mountain chain would dig and create a waterfall system that would be able to generate enough power within the mountains with minimal materials and upgradable forever. The vast majority of technology by that time took much less power, and it only got better from there. People would go walk about in the open lands for vacation, and some would spend time in low-orbit space stations to admire the lush planet. The only bad thing about this world was the Dragon Federation and Confederate Nation. They were melting pots of people that did not like the new world and tried to recreate the world of the 19th century and before. The Federation wanting a fascist world and the Confederate Nation wanting to purify all non-whites from the planet. The dragons were run by the Jenner family and the Confederate Nation had three leaders, Carlson, Buffett, and Scott. The only reason the two renegade nations were not a problem was that they were given artificial islands and prevented from using toxic technologies and no ability to exploit natural resources. 
They were provided with food and education if they wanted it. Most nations ignored those parts of their homes and tried every so often to destroy the bots watching over them. Rarely, a person from each nation would want to join civilization. Some of them wanted a better life. Some of them thought they could take the system down from the inside. Buck read about one that lived in another district that took 10 years to try to bomb a power center. He was sent back before he could get the supplies together. The fear Buck had was the mountain chains had powered air systems. Not only that, but everything from the boats to bots worked off the power broadcast system. They all had limited batteries. With the power off, air would work for another day at most, and the rest of civilization would stop later that day. The redundancy was a secondary part of the same system, not entirely independent. Buck knew what he was here to do now. Just as he was trying to figure out if that knowledge was within his head, he suddenly saw a diagram of the water system. There were unused tunnels that were underwater and closed off. These led to, to other districts. Buck figured this was how they powered each district. As they hollowed out the main chamber and as they hollowed out the main chamber and still generate power. Each district used to be the reservoir for the waterfall system. The gates were all hard locked in place with small openings allowing a, allowing a small amount of water to fill the district's reservoirs. The power station had a single flaw. If you could manage to close the waterfall off at the top, preventing it from flowing through the generators, the power generation would stop. The pressure release system would stop functioning, and the hard lock gates, keeping the districts dry, would eventually snap out of place. Buck tried to unlock the rest of his body. He called for Zoe. No answer. He pushed his focus, feeling his head begin to ache. His vision in the real world was fogging up. His ears felt like they were on fire. He unlocked his jaw and throat and felt pain in his mouth and felt mucus and blood in his throat. He tried to call out to the security bots. He couldn't manage to make a sound. Each bot just scanned his ID chip and shut down as he walked by. He unlocked his right hand and arm and tried to smack at one of the security bots. It ignored him. He called out for Zoe again. How slow he was walking. It would take another 20 minutes to get to the station he needed to be at. Realizing the program running him was leaking information as he hacked it, he started another path. Paige was riding shotgun in the flying platform with three safety bots and two people in armor holding rope guns. She asked her bot if, if he was able to raise Buck or Zoe. When it said no, she threatened to junk it if it did not manage one of the two shortly. Paige had never had an occasion to ride a flyer before. Now it was twice in less than two hours, both times a husband in danger. She began to feel afraid for Sam and felt a deep pit in her heart when thinking of Buck. At least Sam was in the care of the hospital. She pressed her bot, Paul, again for an update. He said that he got a text message from Zoe that came through the older network. The message also said Buck was making progress and taking control of his body. Paige felt better as she sent the updated location information to the driver. Buck was now in control of one foot, but not the leg. He still walked, but now it was more jerky and more clumsy. His body knocked against the wall every few steps. He wondered how bruised his body might be when this was all done. He got control of his torso and tried his best to throw the body to the floor. The other arm was still out of his control, kept everything in order. He imagined he looked like a really bad marionette puppet show. As he focused on the other avenue he found in the code, Zoe came back. I think you have control of enough of, it, uh, enough of its systems to prevent it from infecting me. Ah, that's where you went, he chuckles to himself. I have an idea, but I can't manage to figure out some of this code. It looks like the code from when you were first designed. Can you figure it out? Let me see. 
And Zoe beeps confirmation she has in code. Fuck, this is from the Confederation, Confederate Nation Island. How can you tell? The bots in those islands are older models. If one of them took the time to to revert, if if someone there took the time to reverse engineer one of the AIs, they might be able they might be able to well, not perfectly. They might be able to. Well, not might. It looks like they did. Did what? They programmed an AI to take over a person. Buck felt sick. How could they possibly have that advance of an understanding of our technology? There's always a story of someone getting caught and sent back. I see. Buck thinks for a moment. So the game headset flashed my software and sent me down here. I had thought of I had thought of why we had not seen others. You were you were not the only one buying a headset. No, but I am working a position that grants me access to the power systems. Zoe beeps a few times. Heads up! A crash sound comes from behind Buck before his body heads hits the floor. Before he saw anything else, he heard his wife's voice. Honey, Sam. Honey. Sam is going to be just fine. I need you to come back to me. His vision comes back slowly in the unlocked eye. He sees Paige looking down at him. He tries again to make the physical mouse speak with no success. He sees her face grow sour and tear up. Zoe, he yells out in the virtual world. Want me to connect you two? Thanks. A beep and a greeting from Paige. Hey, pretty woman. I'm fine in my head, but the software still has a lock on me. Tell the officers that there may be other officials infected. The headsets have Confederate Nation AI software in them. I love you, Paige says before turning your attention to the armored team to relay the info. I told them. What, what, what else can I do? Nothing. Zoe and I are going to try to hack this more. I found a back door of sorts. It seems they used various programming techniques to get the AI working. I got a back door in the game subsystems too. Babe, I have no idea what all this is supposed to mean. Right. I'm trying to crack this thing open and see if I can use it against itself. Okay. Good luck. Thank you, he says before refocusing on his task. After a few minutes, Zoe stops responding. He figures she needed to protect herself again. He continues to try to unlock the main parts of the software. Paige, petting Buck's head as the bot continues to treat the various parts of his body bruised up and damaged from cold and wet, the cold and wet combination while wearing a thin layer of clothing. She doesn't notice one of the people in armor standing up walking rapidly down the hall. When she hears the stomp of boots, she calls out to them and he ignores her. The other armored person gets up, joining the march down the hall. Paige connects with Buck again. Babe, I think the security people are infected. I'm almost there, he says to her. I need you to toss Zoe near them. Okay. Digging through his pocket, she finds the crystal stone and lobs it down the hall, just in front of the troops, as, the sham as they shamble down the hallway. Now what? Watch this, Buck says. A series of beeps and buzzes are flowered, are. A series of beeps and buzzes by Zoe vibrating on the floor, making a clanging noise in the hall. I don't know what I'm saying there. <laughs> I think the crystal's just making noise. Then music begins playing out of Zoe, followed by the words, Round one, fight! The two armored people face each other and raise hands in an old-fashioned boxing pose and move slightly in place before throwing slow punches and kicks, blocking the attacks in return. Babe, did you make these nice people act like a classical fighting game? Paige says, laughing slightly. Yes, the body says weakly. I cracked the code and the game software and the, is, and the, game software is the carrier. Since it was programmed as a game, it doesn't see the patch as an enemy. Smart boy, she says, crying and leaning over to kiss him. Say, can you call to check on Sam? She looks off into the distance before looking back at Buck. 
Our husband's going to be fine. They purged his system. I told you we'd have an exciting weekend, Buck says coughing. I, I told you we would have an exciting weekend, Buck says coughing. I never thought video games from a hundred, hundreds of years ago would save my life one day, she says. Living the dream, baby, Buck says. Living the dream. What'd you think? I, um... <laughs> like, I, I was trying to keep it solar punky. Um, and obviously certain parts were a bit awkward because, like, the, the phrasing uh, wasn't too great. Um, you know, uh, Buck finding himself in the virtual world while his body was doing something else I thought was a really great idea while I was writing it. I could probably go back and uh, tighten that up a bit. It would probably be another two, three thousand words to um, round out some of those ideas. But I think the core idea and story here that I just read to you was pretty good. Um, you know, nice utopian society living inside of a mountain range, uh, leaving, you know, the vast outdoors available to, you know, uh, just kind of roam or camp or spend time in, you know, like you do. And, you know, of course there would be groups of people who would be like, we're not into this bullshit. We want to, you know, be violent and, like, fascism and... Yeah. You know there are always going to be people like that. And if you're building a utopian society, you're not going to, you know, put microchips in their head or tell them that they can't be who they want to be. You would just... Put them somewhere where they can't hurt the rest of the world. At least I think. I think that's pretty utopian, you know. They want to act like jerks and live like it's the 21st century. Give them a giant island and tell them, you know, there you go. <laughs> You're just not going to screw with the rest of the planet. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I also, you know try my best to represent all of the LGBTQIA uh, plus community. And I don't think I had written a story with a uh, poly uh, uh, um, group, a poly romantic group. Um, and uh, like, it kind of makes sense. Like, you know, they're just they're all kind of dorks and <laughs> they just love each other um i don't know it, it it's weird what comes out of my head when i start writing like all i knew when i started writing this one was that it needed to be utopian it needed to be bright um you know no um you know dystopian grimy dirty you know stuff but there still needs to be some kind of enemy or, or thing to overcome. So that's why there are the other two nations. I, I didn't know that I was going to make those two nations. And I remember when I wrote this, I thought a long time trying to figure out what I would name them and the names of the people running them. So I just, I literally uh, did a web search for terrible people and those were the names and uh you know the the white pointy hats called themselves dragons and then you know the federates get them get them you know the people that have the uh, you know flag that was you know racist <laughs> anyways i don't know what that accent was i am so sorry um <clears throat> Yeah, so, you know, thank you so much for joining me for this episode of First Drafts at Globe. Be sure to like and subscribe. Um, visit me, uh, Eldritch Cafe, Nails at Glow, uh, Mastodon World, Nails at Glow, um, my website, nailsatglow.com. Uh, this YouTube channel uh, address is at First Drafts at Glow. Um, and my email, firstdraftsatglow at gmail.com. 
Isn't, did I make all of this really easy for you? I sure hope so. I was trying my hardest to make this all very easy for you. So, yeah. Um, I, I have so much fun doing this show. I'm going to miss you in the coming uh, uh, two weeks. Um, but just know that I'm thinking about you, that I wish the best for you, and uh, I do love you. 